Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Well, we're very lucky on Trailblazers this week to speak to our very best jockeys and trainers in New Zealand. The woman behind the thoroughbred racing industry in New Zealand and get a wee insight into their world. We speak to Chrissy Bambury, Kelly Myers and Danielle Johnson as well. Let's get into it. Well, today on SENZ Trailblazers, we're very lucky to be joined by one of the top jockeys in New Zealand, Danielle Johnson. She was the 2020-2021 Jockeys Premiership winner. She has 10,060 <coughs> career wins under her belt and climbing. So, Danielle, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, no worries. Thanks for having me on. We're Still really excited to have you because you're the first jockey we've had. Oh, I hope I, uh, hope I make a good case for one of us. Well, it's going to be awesome to have you on because uh, I would say a lot of people are obviously into their betting, but a lot of people don't know the intricacies of the sport. So it's great to be able to tap into your knowledge. Um, What's your first memories of being around horses? Like, was this something you were into ever since you were a little girl? Uh, Yeah, so I had a pony pretty much before I could walk. Um, My parents, my dad was a jockey. Um, my mum has always loved horses. She did amateur riding in Singapore, so I feel like it was pretty inevitable that I was uh, going to end up being a jockey or doing something along the lines with horses. But I'd say yet my earliest memories of racing anyway was um, dad, dad being a jockey, dad wasting very hard, not being able to eat too much and going to the races. So you really didn't have a choice getting into horse racing when it was sort of a family affair, wasn't it, by the sound of it? Yeah, wow. But then I decided I wanted to be a jockey and then my parents um, thought, oh, no, we don't really want you to do that. Um, I think they were pretty happy for me to stay at school and my brother took a different career path and I um, I think I got the bug and, yeah, I just, my dad was giving me days off to go to, go to the races. So I think in one way they wanted me to be a jockey and then on the other hand when I said, yes, I want to be a jockey, <laughs> they didn't really want me to do it. Um, what, before you became a jockey, though, um, what events were you doing? What what were you riding in? So I had my pony. Um, I had a couple of ponies, actually. Um, and I was doing A&P shows, going to, you know, pony club and just all that sort of stuff, show jumping. Um, we were out every weekend um, doing that, yeah. And what was that like for you? Like, what are your memories of it? Oh, I just liked winning and going fast, I suppose. Those are my real memories. So- um I always had I always had pretty good ponies, and um, you know I've got a real competitive streak in me. So it was um, I, def- I certainly didn't have a normal childhood um, where kids are over at sleepovers doing um, probably normal things. I was always out riding, and um, yeah, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Yeah, how time consuming is the sport? Like. Um, down by my parents' house, there's a farm in front of them and there's a couple of little girls that have some horses down there and they are outside in that paddock all the time. If it's not doing something with the horse, then they're always picking up the poop or like they are always busy. 
yeah, there's always, there's always something to do with horses. I suppose they can't feed themselves, can they? Um, but I, I, I've been so lucky that my parents were in racing, so you know, I had something to do with horses. So I always had them there that were helping me out. Um, but yeah, there's um, certainly a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes that you know me as a jockey and and probably you know people that don't know too much about racing. Um, It'd be great for them to learn actually what work and how much love go into getting their horses to the races. What's like a normal day for you like then? Uh, my days vary. I'm, I'm pretty lucky. So essentially I'm self-employed. So I ride at the races when I want to ride at the races. Um, I ride track work. So that's, um, for people that don't know, that's um, like training the horses, getting them fit, preparing them for race day. Um, mm-hmm. I'll do that sort of three times a week maybe, sometimes four, just depending on how busy I am um, leading into race day and and maybe ride at the races three to four times a week. So, um, you know, there's no week that's ever the same, to be fair, but like on a day like today, I've, um, I'm actually putting up a Christmas tree right now, so <laughs> that's probably the, the, the most I've done today. Um, but, yeah, they're always changing, try and get to the gym when I'm not riding. Um, yeah, it's just it's a, it's a pretty... Um, great lifestyle really What does it take to be a jockey like for people on the outside that don't know a lot about it what does it take What does it take well you probably need to know how to ride a horse that'll be um, a good start but it's for, for me being a jockey it's, um, you know it's probably not for me because I'm light I don't have to waste yeah. you know hard like like say someone like Lee Finnis who um, you know there's a lot of dedication that goes into it Um there's, yeah, you just have to be dedicated and I suppose you have to have the love for an animal with a horse. Aside from your parents and your family, who sort of helped you out? Who's helped me out? Well, I've had a few mentors along the way. I was actually apprenticed to um, a man called the late Russell Cameron mm-hmm. um, who recently passed away. So he's been yeah, a huge mentor in my life. Um, Russell Warwick who manages Westbury Stud. God, there's so many people. Peter Williams. Um, yeah, there's a lot of names there that I could um, bring off for you. But, yeah, I've been pretty fortunate that I've had a lot of backers um, throughout my career. What do Like, does that surprise you or why do you think that they helped you out? Why have they helped me out? Yeah. I think I was lucky that my, my dad made such a great name yeah. for our family and racing. And um, I've been... Yeah, I think having a name in racing makes it a lot easier and he's sort of got the context that he had the context behind him, which, you know, were passed on to me. And, um, yeah, I've just I've, yeah, just had people that have always been um, on my side backing me. Let's go back to um, the transition from you having a pony to telling your parents, this is what I want to do, like I want to be a jockey. What was that like? What was your first season like? First season, oh shit! God, it was a long, long time, time ago, ago, eh? Yeah, I know. Very long time ago. I know. Yeah, um, I actually remember my first ride. To be fair, Dad took me to the races. It was at Counties, and it was a horse called Diamonds in the Rough. She was she was an outsider. Um, she ran fourth, and that was probably that was a telling point to say whether I wanted to be a jockey. And I am uh, fourteen years later. I'm still doing it. So amazing. Um, yeah. Will you never forget, like you obviously remember your first ride, will you never forget your first win? Like do you remember that vividly? Yes, that was actually a set-up win by Russell Warwick and Russell Cameron. Um, the sportsman was his name and he won at Ellerslie. And the, they told mum and dad, make sure they come to the races today because I'm going to have my first winner. So, And that was it and it's um, 
yeah, been okay. ever since then. So cool. Um, do you have to have a vibe with the horse? Like when you jump on a horse, do you know whether or not like you instantly bond with it? Like what's the relationship like between the horse and the jockey? Because you obviously don't train the horse, do you? No, a lot of the horses I ride, I suppose I, I'm able to get on them track work, but yeah. it's not necessarily a, a must. And I suppose that our skill as being jockeys that we're, we're able to just hop on horses and, and ride them on a one-off occasion. But, oh, I think there's definitely some horses you definitely don't bond with, but, um, you know, a bit of a clash personality sometimes. Um, but, yeah, I suppose in our profession we've just got to manage the horse the way they want to be managed and try and get along with them as much as you can. How do you know? Like, what sort of vibe do you get from a horse? A vibe? Well, if they're being naughty, then you're getting a very bad vibe off them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they're not wanting to play ball, then you're like, oh, no, this is a very bad vibe <laughs> from them. But, I mean, horses now, they're, they're trained so well, you know, there's all the background work done on them that generally they're, they're, they know what they're doing, they're... They know their job and, and they love it, most of them. What's um What's the best horse you've ever ridden? Like, has there been a special one? Or is it, like, a bit unfair to single a horse out? Um, I would say the, the horse that I've had the most success on would be Avon Targe. Yeah. Um, she's probably been the best horse to me. Um, yeah, I'd say it would be pretty hard-pressed to go past her, to be fair. Very cool. Hey, we're going to put a pause on this here because we've got a break coming up, but we're going to come back um, and talk to you a little bit more right after this. We're talking to Danielle Johnson, uh, one of New Zealand's top jockeys. She's been doing it for over a decade, so she well and truly knows her stuff. Stay with us here on Trailblazers on SENZ. Yeah. Don't let success go to your head. Probably one really good one. (laughs) It's Um, a good one. Yeah, very good one. Um, It's such an up and down sport. You're you know, you're on top of the wave at one point and then you can be at the bottom of it the next. So, yeah. Well, Um, I like that. That's a really nice one. (laughs) Oh, that'll do. I'll give you that one. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for talking to us, Danielle. We really appreciate your time and we feel uh, pretty bloody honoured to have had you on the programme as well. So thank you. Uh, All the very best with the rest of the season. We can't wait to see what you do. We watch you on the TV and in the papers as well. So thank you for your time. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Thanks, Danielle. We appreciate it. As fast as you can, and you might get the same um, adrenaline rush out of it for people that can't ride a horse. How fast are you going? Oh, I think we go about 65. Well, definitely you'd go faster in a car, but I don't know if we'd want to be racing a car. Um, 65, 70k? Have you ever like had moments that you're like, blooming hell, like it's a bit scary, it's a bit much, or because you're so into it and you just love it, as that's just, you know, what's expected. Um, when you say, like, I don't actually get what you mean by that question. When you're riding, like, have you ever mm-hmm. been concerned about anything, maybe that you're going to end up on the ground? or safety. Yeah, about your safety. <laughs> yes, quite a few times, actually. I've had a few calls. Um, there's been a couple that I've sort of seen it in front of me happening and just thinking, God, I hope I don't break too many bones in the fall. Um yeah, but that's, I mean, that's part of the job, really. You've, uh, I don't think you hop on an animal and think, you know, that it's always going to run um, smoothly. Yeah. What's been, um, what's been the most challenging injury that you've had to come back from? Um, I haven't had any major, major touch wood. Um, I've done my collarbone. 
I've done my hand, I uh, broke my hand, broke my wrist. Um, yeah, so that's probably it. I When I did my collarbone, I got a plate put in it, so I took a year off, um, did a little bit of travel, and then got the plate taken back out. Um, as my surgeon said, it probably wasn't good to ride with a plate in there in case you fell again. Yeah. Um, so I hope that those are the worst of my injuries. Um, yeah. Touch wood as well because we don't want to blow and jinx you. I've been, yeah. t- I've been touching a lot of wood while I'm saying that. <laughs> um, what about your gym work? Like outside of um, what you do uh, on the track, what do you have to do to make sure that you're physically ready? Um, so like on a day like today, I have just been out for a 6K walk, which is not, you know, not intense. Um, yeah. Exercise, but I'm pr- I'm pretty full, um, you know I'm pretty fit at the moment. So as long as you just do a bit of base fitness, but like through doing trials and track work, that sort of gets you race day ready, and then maybe do like a PT session. I don't know once a week if you get time, um, and just try and keep that that fitness up. Um, I don't think there's a fitness like riding a horse, to be honest. Because um, of like the I position know. that you're in when you're on the horse, like it's something you yeah. wouldn't be able to replicate, right? No, and it's no matter what you do, even like running and whatever biking, um, I find when I get on a horse and get my fitness up riding a horse, and that's when I know that I'm, you know, full fitness. Is it all legs? Like, would that be right um, in saying? I think a lot of core as well. Yeah. Because you're obviously like you're holding yourself up because we ride so short, but then there's like you're using a lot of your upper body strength to push the horses out. Yeah. Um, and what's the ratio like between male and female jockeys? Like, is it a split or are there more males? Are there more females? What's what's that like in the industry? It's getting pretty much to 50-50 now. Um, I feel like the, the male males are getting so much bigger now um, as the years go on that it's making, you know, females get into it a little bit more. Um so we're pretty lucky. Most of us females don't have to waste, which you know can take can take a lot of toll on the boys. Which yeah. I definitely feel sorry for them. Um, but yeah, we're we're pretty much fifty fifty, which is so cool to see. And like you know, before it was like one female to majority of them being men. So. It's, um, yeah, it's great. And in terms of um, things that are tougher about being a jockey, is it the weight and keeping weight or? What sort of um, like the yes. sizes that you have to be? So I walk around sort of 52 kilos, which I'm very naturally light. I've got my parents are small, so yeah. I'm fortunate. But, you know, like there's some jockeys that can get up to 62, 63 kilos and they have to ride out at, I don't know, 56 on a, you know, on a Wednesday. So that's a lot of weight that they have to use to uh, lose having a sweat and a bath. Um to tell you the honest truth, I've never really had to have a sweat in my life, so yeah. I um I can't make too much judgment about that. So you're one of those lucky people. Yes, yes, I am lucky. I'm lucky. My mum's small. <laughs> um, and obviously, in sports like rugby that just dominate um, the industry in New Zealand and netball and um, those team sports, only a really small percentage actually make it. You know, into our national teams <laughs> or to world championships. Is it the same for jockeys? Is it a really small percentage of people that actually become jockeys? Uh, I would say so. Um, I wouldn't say too many go by the wayside, you know, like not from what I've experienced. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, there's, there's some that sort of get out there and they realise it's not really for them, but 
um, it's pretty cool. Most people give it a go and they keep pursuing the career in it. What's the best thing about it? Like for you, what do you love about it? For me, okay, I love going fast. I love horses and I love making money. So it seems like a pretty perfect job for me. Like it's literally a dream job for you. <laughs> like it ticks every box. How long do careers usually last for a jockey? I mean, you said you've been doing this for 14 years now. Like um, what are your goals? What, are, what is the pinnacle for a jockey? I think it all it sort of varies. Like Noel Harris, I think he was the oldest riding jockey in New Zealand and he might have had his last ride at, I don't know, 60. I could have that really wrong. Yeah. Um, but he's a male. He doesn't have to have children. So I don't know how long I ride for. Um, you know, I've got other other things to do in my life, but I just want to keep winning big races. And um, yeah, I don't have any really idea how long I ride for. Um yeah. For you, um, what's the biggest race or biggest event or what has meant the most that you've won? Um, so I won the Cracker Millions, yeah. which was that's a million-dollar race. It's only a listed race, um, but I think the monetary value of that race made, made it pretty special. Um, other than that, of you know, Group 1s around New Zealand. Um, yeah, so it's probably just the group ones and the crack of millions, really. You must have a pretty big trophy cabinet with all the awards that you've had. Yeah, I, I do have one, and I've um, sizing them up next to Jamie, my partner's, <laughs> but his one's looking a little bit flashier than mine, to be totally honest. <laughs> Still plenty of time to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that uh, trophy that you won, the 2020-21 Jockeys Premiership winner, tell us um, what that was all about, how significant um, that award was and what it actually means to you. So I haven't received that yet, but I'm, I'm hoping to get it. The award got cancelled because of bloody COVID. Oh, so. my COVID. Yes, <laughs> I know. It's quite a good night, that, the awards night. Um, but, yes, I am you know, very happy that I, I won the Premiership and it was a you know, long enough season, but I was lucky enough I had so many good horses to ride. Um, I think my parents sort of pushed me more than anything to try and go for the premiership. I've sort of, it's sort of never been a real target of mine. Um, I kind of like to have a bit of a winter holiday, but I had to ride out this this year. Um, but yeah, I've got it, ticked that box. And, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm in contention this year, I might try and go for it again. Very cool. Hey, um, before we let you go, it's been fascinating talking to you. Um, you've taught me a lot as well, um, mm. which has been really, really cool. Um, and you've mentioned a couple of people that have mentored you along the way. What's been the most important piece of advice you've received, do you think? Oh, my God. I know. Why it's so it? deep. It's <laughs> <laughs> so deep. I don't even know what to say to that. Um, Is there something that stands out that one of those guys said to you? Oh, God. Oh, there's just probably been so, so many bits of advice. Yeah. Um, don't let success go to your head. Probably one really good one. That's <laughs> um, a good one. Yeah, a very good one. Um, it's such an up and down sport. You're, you know, you're on top of the wave at one point, and yeah. then you can be at the bottom of it the next. So, yeah. Well, um, I like oh. that. That's a really nice one. <laughs> oh, that'll do. I'll give you that one. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for talking to us, Danielle. We really appreciate your time and we feel uh, pretty bloody honoured to have had you on the programme as well. So thank you. Uh, all the very best with the rest of the season. We can't wait to see what you do. We watch you on the TV and in the papers as well. So thank you for your time. Thanks, Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Danielle. We appreciate it.
Well, today we're very lucky to be joined by Kiwi jockey Callie Myers. Her name is synonymous when it comes to the horse racing industry in New Zealand. She's the only female to have won the New Zealand Cup three times, 2008, 2014, 2016. Uh, so many other accolades and record to her name as well. She's currently part of the New Zealand Riding Academy and is mentoring and training the apprentice hopefuls. Callie, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. It's a little windy outside, but I can't complain. Exactly. Um, hey, I thought we'd just go back to where it all started. Like, where did your love affair with the horse racing industry begin? I, I'm assuming it was with a pony or something like that. Um, yeah, I was obsessed with... I've been obsessed with horses since I can remember. Like, as a child, I was super obsessed with them, wanted a pony, Um got a pony when I was pretty young and it just progressed from there really I guess um sort of did all the showing and show jumping and things like that through school and I'm from a racing family so mm-hmm. my uncle Kevin is a trainer and my father was an amateur jump jockey and he rode a bit as well so um was surrounded by racing as well and really enjoyed going and helping Uncle Kevin with the racehorses whenever I could in the holidays and on the weekends and things. So, um, yeah, I sort of grew up with it, really. So it's literally been part of your life since you were a child, but it's also in the blood. Correct, yeah. How did you know uh, you wanted to be a jockey? When did that sort of transition period take place and what was it like? Um, I remember sort of mentioning... I'd been thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, even maybe when I was at school, I remember getting on the scales and, and checking my weight. And, um, yeah, I sort of got shut down by Uncle Kevin and, and Dad, etc. Um, they said that wasn't a good idea, that I should go and do something else, um, a little bit dangerous, etc. So um, I, I finished school and went on... Um, Matthew Uni, so I did four years at university, and while I was there, I rode track work for Rod and Burgesson in the morning, and um, had a go at the amateurs, and sort of enjoyed that. And then when I'd finished at university, I um, I went secondary school teaching for a little bit, but I just it wasn't me, and I actually remember being at Kevin's writing a bit of work, must have been a weekend or something, and I remember talking to his partner, Andrew, about it and saying, you know what, I just really love writing and I don't <laughs> care what anyone says, I'm just going to give it a go. And um, so, yeah, that's where it started, basically. I started my apprenticeship uh, just out of uni. Beautiful. It's an awesome story. Um, what does it take to be a jockey? Like, for all of us that don't actually know, you know, we see the races, we see the end result, but what does it take to be a jockey and to be successful as well? Because you've had a lot of success. I think, and I always say attitude is everything. I really, really think that if you've got the right attitude and willing to listen and learn, that's a huge help. Um, to make it as a jockey, you've got to be, very resilient I think like it's a tough it's a pretty tough industry Mm -hmm. um you know when you're going good it's great 
games easy, but um, it's those times when you're not going so well and um, it's hard to get rides and it's hard to get winners and, um, you know, you feel like people are um, not being so positive about your riding and things like that. That, that that's when it, you really get tested as to how much you want to do it and how mentally resilient you are. Um, but, I mean, I think support's a big thing as well. I was lucky to be from a racing family and have Uncle Kevin, like, mm-hmm. he was a big help. He used to put us on and um, give us a win on when we needed them. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, you're only as, as good as the horse you're riding. So, yeah, support and opportunities a massive factor if you're lucky enough to get in with a good stable or... Um, or whatnot, that's a big help. And the other thing I'd say is the working hard, yeah. really. Like if you people see you out there, you know, putting in and you're working hard and you're riding work and you're ringing for rides and things like that, I think people um, notice that, that you're keen and you're a hard worker and, and that sort of opportunity stem from there as well, I found. You know how your dad and your uncle were like trying to steer you off the path and say like, you know, maybe choose something different um, because of the dangers. Um, have you had any scares? Obviously, you've talked about the mental side of things. But what about the physical side of things? Has anything been like scary or dangerous like they were warning you about? Yeah, I've had, I've definitely had my fair share of um, falls. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've had, but to be fair, actually the, the worst, one was probably when I was at university just riding trail work in the mornings I came off and ended up um, with internal in- injuries and in intensive care for a little bit but um, following on from that as a jockey I mean yeah I definitely had my best share of falls I'd say the worst one was probably when I went got put through an outside running rail at Pukekohe and again ended up um, in hospital for a couple of weeks with internal injuries and things but um, other than that just broken legs and collarbones and standards, things like that. So, yeah, it definitely wasn't um, wasn't an injury-free career. Yeah. <laughs> Poor mum, she, she had a bit of a rough time. And then Aww. with my sister, Rose, my sister Rosie, obviously, she's had her fair share of falls as well. And um, her most recent one was, was obviously really serious, ending up in a coma in hospital. So, yeah. Um, Four months being through the, the ringer a little bit, but hey, we, we've both come out the other side of it, and I yeah, I wouldn't change anything. Yeah, exactly, and that's all that matters in the end. Um, hey, for you, I, I mean, I've talked about a couple of um, probably highlights for you, but but what has been the highlight of your career? Is there something that stands out? Was it Christchurch? Was it something else? Um, I've never actually really thought, thought about that. Um, <laughs> We're here to celebrate you today. Career. What's that? We're here to celebrate you today. We're all about empowering and celebrating. <laughs> I honestly don't even know what the highlight of my career was. I do love the New Zealand Cup Carnival. Yeah. I'd have to say it was my favourite carnival and it did have a lot of success there. Um, and again, the opportunities probably because Uncle Kevin generally took a big team down and... Um, and things like that. And yeah, it's such a good carnival. We get such a big crowd and such an awesome atmosphere. Unfortunately, probably not so much this year with COVID, but yeah. I'm sure next year they'll get back into it. Other than that, um, I don't, do you know, they'll probably, and it probably is those New Zealand Cup ones that stand out. Yeah. Um, 
for whatever reason, um, I think Kurang was a real outsider, the first one, and was pretty early in my career. And then Mungo Jerry, um, that was just an awesome win, I think, because um, everyone was saying he wouldn't get the trip, and he was such a cool little horse, and for the Bull family, who were big supporters of mine, and just an awesome family. Um, and then, and then pump up the volume. The last one was also pretty awesome because for Ralph, who's been a big supporter of mine, and he was just an awesome horse too. So, um, yeah, without having a real standout, I'd say maybe those, those three women. Well, I have to say, um, those three things alone are pretty incredible. So I know they were a wee while ago now, but massive congratulations from us here at SENZ. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but have you recently come out of retirement? Um, yeah, you are wrong. <laughs> I uh, I just feel, so we obviously had that Auckland meeting up here yes. last week, yeah, and because of a serious lack of jockeys, uh, I got talked into helping them out, um, which, yeah, it was cool. It was good fun, and I really enjoyed it, but um, I think that, that that was a one-off. No more of those then. Well, I mean, again, if there was a like, if they were desperately short of jockeys on a day like that, I'd be happy to fill in. But yeah. as far as going back to riding um, as a career, as tempted in some ways as I definitely am, um, yeah, it's just because I've had just had a baby seven months old, yeah, um, and that along with my partner, who's sort of he's a heavy diesel mechanic, so he works. Monday to Friday, sort of nine to five. Yeah. So if I was to go back riding, it's just too hard because you'd never see each other, yeah. and um, just too hard with a young child. So as much as yeah, I'd probably in some ways love to do it. I think yeah, I think I've just got to choose what's really important at the moment. Absolutely fair enough. That's life, right? Hey, um, Kelly, before we let you go, tell us what you're currently doing. Um, part of this New Zealand Riding Academy. Um, so what is it that you're actually doing there? So, um, yeah, Donovan has um, started up this, this racing academy and, um, yeah, it's still in very early stages. So he's just got a bunch of students there at the moment that are doing their level twos. And then next year, looking to go sort of onwards and take on some apprentices um, who will sign up to their level fours and things like that. Um, so, yeah, just, it's in, as I said, in very early stages. Next year, when they get a little bit bigger, I will um, step in and, and sort of start helping out with, um, yeah, with the mentoring and the training I um on one of my breaks from riding did a personal training course yeah. as well as um, at uni studied nutrition so I've got a bit of a background in, um, of working in a gym and, um, and coaching yeah coaching nutrition coaching and things like that so I'll um, definitely help them with that side of things and fitness and healthy eating and all that sort of thing but um, really excited about it I think it's a great um yeah, it's a great thing for our industry. It's much needed. Um, it's really hard for to get people into our industry if they're not from a horsey background or racing background. Yeah. There's not really anywhere to send them to learn. So, um, it's, yeah, it's going to be really good to have a facility like that where we can 
yeah, go out, promote our industry and actually have somewhere to, to point them in the right direction and set them up basically to then go out and be successful. Um, so, yeah, and on top of that, I'm doing a little bit of work just with um, NZTR, um, helping the apprentices who are already signed up to trainers and, and things. And, yeah, that's been cool too. I'm really enjoying it. Unfortunately, with COVID, I can't get down and um, work with the the apprentices outside of Auckland. But yeah. we've got a real good bunch, little bunch of um, guys up here that are, yeah, really keen. And I think there's some future stars in there. So, yeah, it's, it's yeah, I get good satisfaction out of it. I'm really enjoying it. Very, very cool. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for coming on and sharing even just a small part of your journey. It's been really, really cool to hear where it all started, uh, one of the highlights for you as well. So thank you so, so much for coming on Trailblazers. That was one of our premier Kiwi jockeys, Kelly Myers. Great to have her on Trailblazers here on SENZ. More to come. Stay tuned. Today on Trailblazers here on SENZ, we're very lucky to be joined by Chrissy Bambury. Uh, she won the 2019-2020 Gavel House Newcomer to Training Award. Chrissy, thank you so much for coming on board. Um, first and foremost, that award, tell us what it meant to you and how significant it is. Yeah, look, it was a great award, obviously. It's um, just to even be recognised for doing what we love, I suppose, is a, is a privilege. And it wasn't probably something that I was aiming towards, but getting towards the end of the season, I suppose that little bit of competitive nature comes out. But the horses can only win as many as they can win. So um, a bit of the luck of the draw. And we obviously had a great um, start post-COVID as well, which probably gave me a little bit of an advantage. But... Um, yeah, no, it was really good and obviously just to try and keep the momentum up now is um, the most important thing. What sort of impact did COVID have on the racing industry? Yeah, look, I mean, we weren't allowed to do any galloping or jump outs or trials and things like that. So I was fortunate enough that I've got a water treadmill here and I just kept mine quietly ticking over every second day. So mine was sort of race fit when they went into COVID and by the time they came out they were sort of ready for a bit of a run along and things like that so I think the first sort of month post-COVID everyone was still trying to get their horses ready whereas mine had just had that little bit of residual fitness and some of the other trainers that were able to work their horses at their own property with their own staff and without sort of having people move and things like that between bubbles um they probably also had a little bit of an advantage just with that residual fitness. But it was a big impact and it's still having an impact now. Like um, finally some owners are allowed to be on course and things like that. But, mm. you know, it seems, it seems more like a trial day most days when you go to the races. And it's, that's part of the atmosphere is having the crowds on course and things like that. So hopefully we'll be able to get back to that sooner rather than later. You definitely notice it watching it. Like we need the crowds back, don't we? Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's good for everyone. And look, it's a good experience for the horses too. I've, I've had a few young ones start, and it's probably nice to have them without the hooligans up and down the birdcage. But, you know, that's part of it, and that they need to learn how to do that. And look, if they're going to be good horses, they need to be um, used to loud noises and crowds on race day. So, and it's all part of it. But, yeah, there's nothing like watching your own horse on race day. So I've had a few owners that, you know, it's just disappointing when they can't be there, but... Um, yeah, when they're able to be there, they're not, they're not actually allowed to come and down and see their horse in the birdcage and things like that. So, look, it's just step by step, but we've just got to play by the rules and um, we're just lucky that we can still go ahead.
How do you actually get a horse ready for what it's like on race day? You talk about that atmosphere and the hooligans and all of that. How do you get a horse ready for that? Are there things that you can do? Yeah, look, I think it's all just part of their education and that probably comes right from when they're foals, really. Um, yeah. You know, like if a horse goes to the, when they go to the yelling sale, there's a lot of atmosphere there and I think it's pretty noticeable when you have a, a storebred horse or a, a yelling sale horse that their brains, you know, they haven't had that exposure. They've just been on one farm and things like that. So buying one from the yelling sales, it's from a nice farm or it's been well prepared and that always helps. But then, you know, going to the breakers, you've got to have a good breaker. They do a great job and, you know, it's just all a process and sometimes it just means that it comes down to if they've got a good brain or not. Now, I think you mentioned a little bit earlier a water treadmill. I'm not going to be uh, claimed to be an expert. I did watch a little video of it online, though. For those that don't know a whole lot about the racing industry, can you explain to us what that actually is? Is it as simple as it sounds? Well, it kind of is. Um, there's, we were probably only the second in New Zealand to be put in uh, when mum and dad put it in. But um, that's becoming a lot more common now. Um, probably not so much for the use of um, training horses but a lot to do with rehab and pre-training um, it's just they they walk in and it's just a treadmill belt and then the water fills up to and you can fill it out and you can fill up to whichever level um, each horse requires which um, I think is important because each horse is so different and you can have you know you can specify if it's down to fetlocks knees right up to their sternum or anything like that so um, I use it a lot. They once they're up to race race fitness, they're basically you know once they get to that fitness, they're basically using the water treadmill every day and only going into gallop. And it's just a way I can keep the concussion off their joints. And I think it's good for horses that tie up and things like that. And just adds a little bit of variety and it seems to um, do really well for freshening up their minds as well. This is super interesting um, and it's good to have a wee overview. Before we get super deep into it, um, why don't we go into your story? Where did it all begin for you? Look, I was probably bred into it. Mum <laughs> and dad have always had horses and then as a kid I used to go up to Caramore and do yelling preps and I've done yelling sales in Australia and England and um, dad's always had horses to train and he trained and sort of when he was stepping back he um, I thought it was the chance to sort of step out and take the reins and um, it's been really good and obviously I've been, you know, well supported with some really nice clients and um, that's just continued to grow a little bit but um, I don't want to get too big. I like having that hands on with the horses and I think, um, you know, my 20 to 25 is sort of max to be able to have that um, individual sort of care that I want to be able to give them. And it, it, is that 20 to 25 horses at one time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sort of ma- that's as max as I sort of want to get because once I start getting past that, you sort of you lose being able to, um, with the amount of staff that's practical to have here, it's, um, you sort of lose that individual um, capability to be able to check them every day. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. How so that, much that, time do you spend with each horse? Look, it varies and they sort of, a lot of mine live in the paddock and when they come into the box so you know it's sort of hard to put it down a time per horse but yeah. um, when water treadmill they're probably working anywhere between 12 and 20 minutes on it but it's three minutes to fill up three minutes to empty and you know you pick their feet out beforehand and give them a brush and so you know you're, you're probably spending half an hour with each horse at least. Did you know that you always wanted to be a trainer? 
No, look, I probably didn't. When I was doing yelling prep, I was really enjoying that and the stud work side of things. But I think that attention to detail and the yelling preparations has probably really helped my training as well. And um, just being a stickler for perfection probably is, you know, it probably helps you get those really good results. And in terms of, um, like, how many trainers would we have in New Zealand? Oh, geez. Is it a lot? Yeah, we'd have, we'd have a lot, and there's a lot of owner trainers that only have one or two horses and things like that as well. So, and they're a big part of the wheel as well, and you can't sort of forget them either because we need those sorts of people. And you know, ten years ago, you know, every dairy farmer had a racehorse and yeah. things like that, and sort of it's fading out now, which is quite sad to see. And so, those syndicates that have the smaller shares and the bigger stables are sort of getting bigger but um, yeah I think it's important to have the smaller stables and the owner trainer as well. And how much is there to learn? Is it sort of like a never-ending process? There's always things to be upskilling yourself and learning and, and who do you learn from you know? Yeah look you never stop learning in this game that's for sure and you know it's quite intriguing to me of how other people train their horses as yeah. well and you just you can sit back and sort of see and sort of assess what they do and then you follow the horses through and whether they work them a lot quicker or work them harder or work them softer and then you see what they do race day but every horse is so different that I think you just need the capabilities to be able to assess each horse as it comes. And what are the sort of challenges um, getting into the industry as a trainer? Have you um, like faced anything that's been quite difficult or? I've probably been pretty lucky because we were well set up when dad was training so I sort of just over from him but I think it is really hard for to get new people in the industry and mm-hmm. we do really with staff and that's probably like a lot of industries but getting young people interested in the game is hard because it is long hours and probably not the best pay and you know if you don't love the job then it's probably not for you so it's just a matter of finding those people that love the job and you know the saying goes when you when you love your job you don't work a day in your life 100 percent. do you have a day off or a is it full noise seven days a week is that just part and parcel i'm pretty lucky i sort of try to take sundays off um but that's really it and when we've got races on sundays then that just means that that it's not a day off anymore so but you know i've grown up in it and that's what i'm used to so I sort of don't know any different, to be fair. Yeah. Now, at the beginning, um, I read out uh, one of your awards, the Gavel House Newcomer to Training. Um, but is there a moment that stands out from your career so far? Is there something you're like, well, that was pretty cool? Yeah, look, probably Hastings Carnival this year. We had um, Springtide run a really close second in the Group 1. Um, <laughs> nearly thought I had my first Group 1 winner, but you know, it wasn't to be, and then obviously Bella Conte ran a ripper race to win the gold trail and beat some really nice fillies, so that was a um, yeah, really memorable day. Are you allowed to have favourite horses? You know how, like, you have favourite children? Do you have favourite horses, or is that not allowed? Yeah, yeah, you definitely have favourite ones, and they're generally the fast ones. Yeah. And are there horses over the years that have um, stuck out to you, like your first horse or? Yeah, look, there's a horse, um, Dad trained him when I was a bit younger and I bred him with mum and dad, a horse called Lord Turbo. And he won his first three starts and we sold him up to Hong Kong and I, um, just with my yearling sale contacts, I kept in touch with his owners and trainers and um, I was lucky enough to be able to, when he retired up there, he came back home and when he came back home, I was training and 
um, you know, like we won one race with him, but it was probably the most satisfying race, um, yeah, to be able to have him come home and win a race in my colours is pretty special. It's very, very cool. Hey, uh, Chrissy, before we let you go, um, tell us about this amazing industry that you're in. Um, you clearly love it. What is it about this industry that you love? Look, I think it's the people. Um, yeah. You know, we've got a really nice industry and I travelled horses to Christchurch for the first time this, this season and, like, the, the people just really make the industry. Everyone's willing to help out and I think that really showed during COVID when... Um, the Waikato in Auckland obviously went into level three and they couldn't get down to the races. Everyone was willing to help them, strap their horses for them, look after them. And I think, you know, there's there's probably not many industries that are like that. And um, while we're all competitive out there on race day, I think everyone's still, you know, they're, they're just genuine people and they um, I just want to see everyone succeed and help each other out. Perfect way to finish. Um, that's amazing. Thank you so much for your time, Chrissy. We really appreciate you coming on Trailblazers this week, and it's been great to get a little insight into your world. No worries. Thanks very much. Thank you so much.